Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we're really happy to have on the, the chairman of the board of directors at the PSA and Saudi Arabia Squash Federation's president, Ziad Al-Turki. And uh, I reached out to him uh, a couple of times and we finally uh, made it come to fruition uh, this time around. Uh, actually managed, uh, bumped into him at the uh, Super Series final when they were here uh, in Dubai a few years ago. Never really had the chance to chat with him, but uh, really happy to run him down this time. We had a great conversation. Uh, we look back at his uh, career in squash, how it began. He, uh, I think he got to start uh, sponsoring players and obviously played the game uh, uh, as a hobby and really had a passion for it. And once he got uh, immersed into the pro game, pro game which he loves so much, uh, he really didn't look back. Uh, he got uh, involved in Saudi squash and has been involved ever since trying to promote the game there and bring it up uh, from the grassroots level. And we talk about that and we talk about the developments in that country uh, at that level. Uh, we also talk about the first ever women's pro sporting event, which just happened to be a squash event that happened uh, a year or so ago in Saudi. And uh, he talks about that and what's coming up with regard to that as well with the, the second installment of that event and pro squash uh, in general in, in Saudi and the Middle East, how it's uh, taken off over the years, more or less in several countries in Qatar and uh, Kuwait. Uh, there've been uh, high-profile professional squash events, and he's been on the scene for many of those. Uh, we also take a look at uh, the PSA initiatives that he's helped to bring about over the years, including uh, the pay equity uh, on the professional uh, in the professional game and also uh, the Olympic bid. Uh, that's more or less uh, the WSF and PSA a joint initiative now, and we talk about the failed bid now that the dust has settled a bit and there's a you know, maybe emotions have tempered a bit. He has his take on that and uh, several other squash related uh, topics. But and before we uh, uh, signed off, uh, I also had to ask him about uh, his love for Harleys. And he gave us a great little uh, anecdote about one of his memorable rides uh, on his Harley with his friends. Uh, I think it was in the UK, he mentioned. Uh, so he tells us a bit about that. I know you'll like that story as well. So uh, yep, today, episode 109 with Ziad Al-Turki. All right, well, uh, welcome to episode uh, 108, I believe. I could be, it could be 109, but I think it's 108. Uh, and today, I'm really, we're really happy to have on the chairman of the PSA to the board of directors. He's also the executive chairman of ATCO, which uh, we all know sponsors uh, several of the, uh, the top players in the world. And uh, he's got several businesses within that uh, conglomerate. And he's also the president of the Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabian National Squash Federation, otherwise known as the, the Sultan of Squash, Ziad Al-Turki. Ziad, uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, I did actually bump into you at the uh, Dubai Super Series in, uh, when it was at Emirates the last time. Uh, I didn't uh, introduce myself, but uh, it's great to talk to you now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And uh, now I know you're in London at the, at the moment now, Ziad, and you just had you just underwent uh, a surgery, and uh, I hope you're feeling well. Uh, and also, I just I, I hope that it's uh, not going to keep you off the squash court. Uh, I hope it doesn't. Um, yeah, I just had three torn uh, ligaments in my right shoulder, 
So uh, okay. slowly recovering from that. Is that uh, squash related or uh, just a wear of and tear not. over the years? Or? <laughs> I think, it, yeah, it just reached its uh, sell-by date, I think, those tendons. So now it's uh, a new bionic arm, new and improved. Maybe okay. I can finally play squash better because <laughs> I'm pretty bad at it. Maybe this will improve my game. Right, right. Well, that that's good. And maybe, maybe it'll, uh, you know, make things a bit easier for you, hopefully. Uh, but uh, yeah, all the best with with your recovery there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, uh, the 2019-2020 season just kicked off. Uh, officially, I, I guess you could say it kicked off and announced, but there were several smaller events before that. But uh, now we've just had uh, San Francisco, the NetSuite, and then the U.S. Open coming up and the World uh, Women's Teams just around the corner. So, uh, you know, with the season underway now and it's gotten off to a great start, uh, some great matches up till now. How excited are you about 2019-2020? Uh, I keep repeating myself every time. Uh, keep saying that you know the strong the, the the tour keeps getting stronger and stronger every season, and it is getting stronger and stronger every season. Uh, if you look at the top tier events, um, we're very full. We've got one right after the other. Um, yeah. we've never been in a position where we've actually had to turn down platinum events. I mean, I'm the pres you know the president of the Saudi Squash Federation. I'd like to put on uh, a men and women's tournament again in Saudi. But we don't have the space to do a platinum event, mm. so uh, it's it's very exciting to be in a position like that. N not if you're in Saudi wanting to do an event, but it's right. very exciting that you know we are in a position like that. Yeah, for sure. Now later on, I'd like to ask you about about the, the women's event that you held. But over the years, there have been uh, several. There there have been a few uh, men's events in Saudi, haven't there? Uh, over the years. Yeah, the first you know my first involvement with uh, professional squash. Um, actually, was I, I, my first involvement was I, I, I sponsored Melissa Martin, um, okay. Brett Martin's wife, um, and then I invited him to Saudi and, and um, didn't understand anything about well sport in general, and just was curious why we didn't have a, a tournament in Saudi, and, and uh, ended up uh, doing a tournament in 2005, and then the last event was 2010, the World uh, Championship in Saudi Arabia. Right on. Now, uh, also, just wondering in terms of uh, this season uh, with the PSA, uh, last year was a great year, and, uh, and you just alluded to the fact that uh, you've got event after event, which, I mean, we just had San Francisco, we've got the U.S. Open, we've got the women's teams, and then obviously the world teams coming up, several big events. What, uh, what does the PSA and the board uh, have as a vision uh, for this year? You know, the, the, the PSA's vision, you know, is to manage, promote, um, you know, sustainable global professional squash circuit. Um, what we've, um, before we used to look at it as, you know, we have to do, we have to really just concentrate on the global, uh, uh, on the professional global side of it and not really get involved um, with uh, all the world stakeholders. And I think w what we've, we, we realize now is that we have to put our hands um, with all the global stakeholders, especially now that you've got a, a, a change in the WSF in the past uh, couple of years, the World Squash mm -hmm. Federation, um, where they've put our hands uh, with us. Um, they're basically our feedstock. You know, they're the, the, the youth comes from there. Um, also, global stakeholders like uh, John Nimick, who does the Tournament of Champions, or Hong Kong Squash, or England Squash, mm -hmm. you know, with the British Open and stuff. 
um, we, we find that it's, it's very important that, you know, we, we reach out to them and we all work together as one um, to grow uh, the sport. Yeah, I think this is probably the, the main difference of the vision that we had prior years and now. And of course, you know, we want to be, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, you know, achieve parity and prize money for the sexes, especially that we're one association now. Absolutely. I mean, that, that seems to be one of, one of the big uh, achievements, doesn't it, uh, uh, with, the, with the PSA bringing on board uh, the women's game and now uh, all, all of the, you know, the parity, the, the pay equity that, that's been achieved uh, more or less in, 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 uh, for, for the women. And that, that's a huge uh, achievement for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, it's, it, it's, we've, we had been trying to work with uh, um, the Women's Squash uh, Association for many years. Um, and, and me, especially even before I joined um, the, the, the Professional Squash Association, when I was just a promoter doing tournaments, I tried to reach out to them. Like one of the things I tried to do is get them to uh, uh, include women in the World uh, Series Finals, which is now called the World, World Tour Finals. Yeah. And um, they wouldn't. So the first uh, year or two I did it at Queens Club, I actually um, did it as an exhibition because I wanted people to see women squash. Um, I, I don't believe, and none of us on the board believe that we, you know we could grow a sport um, just the men. It, it it has to be inclusive. Um, and then it was the women who who decided who went against you know their, their own association and decided <laughs> right. to join us. And um, and and it's it's been great to them. If if you look in in just this past year, um, you know the top ten uh, the top ten male players their income went up seventy four percent I think something like that and the women went up uh, the top ten went up eighty seven percent overall in the past few years the top ten women have seen an increase in about uh, I think over seventy percent the past four years I think they've seen an increase of over seventy percent of their income and um, overall uh, about fifty some percent increase. Um, for the top 100. So, you know, we, we are pushing for it. Actually, I think we're probably one of the leading sports uh, uh, pushing for it because we don't see, you know, we're, we're gender blind. Um, right. You know, we, we promote the sport. We don't promote a sport for a certain sex. You know? Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think I, re- I remember reading somewhere, I forget which part, it might have been, uh, I forget which publication it was, but one one of your goals or one one of your one of the things that you said you wanted to achieve was the to give players, I guess, like the top players in the game, the ability to be able to retire when they finish uh, their career. And I guess you know, going for, I mean, with numbers like that, uh, you're looking towards uh, hopefully achieving that uh, for yeah, for that a was, lot of players. That was really one of the main reasons I got involved in squash. I. I you know, when I when I met um, uh, Brett and Melissa, um, I didn't understand why a legend like Brett Martin was uh, coaching. Not that there's, there's anything <laughs> wrong with coaching. I think it's brilliant that guys go out and coach and, and make a living out of it, but not struggling to make a living out of it. Right. Um, someone like him should, you know, this is like a, a retirement plan for him. But he he's a legend of the game as well. I mean, uh, yeah. And he had yeah. to struggle to make a living. And, and I didn't understand why when you look at other sports where guys retire and, and you know, they have a, 
you know, they enjoy their life. They coach, they do it for fun. Like what Nick Matthew is doing right now. Right. You know, Nick Matthew can, you know, has, has a nice nest egg. He's, he's comfortable and he's doing clinics and, 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 and he's, a, he's very comfortable and that's how it should be. So when I started looking at Melissa Martin, that was my first involvement in squash. We looked at her finances and she was putting money out of pocket to come entertain squash players. Hmm. And I was like, you know, that, that's wrong. So I sponsored her. I gave her the money that she was losing every year, um, you know, playing squash. And in one year I saw she went up from, you know, the rank where she was down near 50 to, you know, the top uh, 20. And, and that's because she could now travel, spend the night, doesn't have to arrive early in the morning, um, you know, play a match, lose, and then go sleep in an airport somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get, so it gave me, her the peace of mind, I would imagine, too. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was really, for me, it was just about the welfare of the players. And, um, you know, the, the fact that we are a, a player association, um, the, the whole board now just sees, you know, um, you know, we, we're like-minded. We, we care about, you know, the, the, the welfare of the players first and foremost and, and, and find ways to grow and improve the tour to, um, you know, better, you know, their, their income and, and their living for the future so they can retire. And that's also one of the goals of the uh, PSA Foundation is, is to help players plan for the future. That's awesome. That's really good. And, and one, uh, uh, in, in another way, one uh, huge improvement and huge development uh, in the game as well is uh, in terms of the uh, squash TV, which has brought the game uh, in a huge way to the masses, particularly, well, the, the global uh, squash community. And uh, just wondering, what are your thoughts on, on this development over the last couple of years? And then, because I know this is something that also you've spoken about in the past. Uh, and also, how do you see it uh, in terms of evolving going forward? Squash TV. I mean, we, we've, we've, yeah, we've seen, you know, huge increases in, in, uh, in, our, in not just Squash TV, but all our social media. Hmm. You're talking something like 50 million views. Um, you know, you, you see in the past two years, um, you know, shot of the day on the ESPN that happens to be a squash. Uh, shot. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not NBA. It's not football. Um, was that the, was so, that the James Willstrip purple fake? Probably. That was the James Willstrip. But also <laughs> before that, there was uh, the one. That I think it was Renine. Um, oh yeah. I can't remember who she was against. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, we, you know, when we first started out, um, in, in we really started out in 2009 with a clean uh, sheet of paper. And we really didn't know in what direction to go. And, and everyone tells you, you know, go live, go live. You need to be live. And, and we went with KHP, you know, the, the ones behind a lot of the Formula One. And we sat with um, the, uh, I think he was the main guy uh, for media with uh, Bernie Ecclestone. Right. And he, he, he was telling us to stop thinking about uh, getting hours and not even think about mi minutes. Just think of our media growing our media by seconds, just getting the mentions out there, like shot of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and then that will translate into, you know, minutes. And then after that translates into hours. And, and that's what happened. And then we also had to address everything in the sport, you know, from why doesn't it televise right? What's wrong with it? Is it the cameras? Is it the angles? Is it the squash court? And we realized 
one of the main issues was the squash court. So we improved mm-hmm. the squash courts. Um, I went on a limb with squash TV. Um, <laughs> you know, we were expected to lose money, and uh, we ended up uh, actually making money. And um, and well, and, it's, a, know, it's such it was, a great product. I mean, it, it really can't. I think you've got the right guys in place. I mean, Joey. Uh, PJ, uh, got Simon Park, and, and the others that they bring in to do the commentary. I mean, they're relatively young. They've all played the game. They know uh, so much about the game, and they bring a real uh, energy to it that uh, I think just about everybody uh, appreciates. Yeah, that's that's what what you see. You know, the you, you hear them. They're they're great guys, um, and and it makes it fun and and you know engaging. And also for the people that don't understand squash, they they explain it in a way that's not boring. I think I think the guys that do the commentary are great, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of work that goes on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know the, the the soldiers behind. You know not just videoing, just, you know, getting out the message out there, getting out the social media, getting, getting basically the eyeballs to come in. Um, and, and that's really has skyrocketed in the past couple of years. And we see it, you know, growing. I mean, we've got Facebook live now in the U S um, you know, we, we, we thought we were probably going to lose, um, you know, the normal channels like uh, uh, BT and then, the others around the world, but we actually didn't. Uh, they're still very happy to come with us. They're still very happy, you know, to take it uh, online from us and, and present our product, which is, you know, a few years back, if you, you know, like 2010, if you told us we're going to be covering 154 countries uh, with, you know, live squash, um, I believed it. Our board believed it, but nobody else did. And, and here we are. Here we are. So, yeah. Yeah, Facebook Live. Facebook Live is is the the thing nowadays. I mean, it, it, across the board, all 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 the mainstream uh, sports are doing it, and squash is doing it, and and it really it, doing it, uh, especially for you know the early round matches. I think straight through to uh, the the semifinal matches, but it really sort of brings squash out there uh, so that everybody has the opportunity to to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've got. You know, we, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, as we're speaking, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the upcoming board uh, um, uh, documents. And, and one of the, the things we're talking about here is that the digital broadcast has been the key driver for, for the PSA, uh, mm-hmm. you know, growth. And, and in 12 months, like I said, we had 50 million videos viewed, which translates to 200 million minutes watched, which is <laughs> yeah. quite incredible. That you know, is, yeah. You think about it. You know, yeah. we are a small sport. Um, we're still in a lot of the, you know, uh, newspapers. We're still classified under other. We're not, you know, the <laughs> mainstream uh, uh, sport there. And, and, and to get these numbers is, I think, it's amazing. Yeah, but it, I mean, even just to be there, though, uh, as, as one of the other sports, uh, that's, a, uh, that's an achievement in, a, in and of itself, though. I mean, I think it's... it's it's an incredible sport to watch, um, yeah. both live and uh, on television. Especially now with you know we, we're with the new angles we're trying and everything. We're it's 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 become quite engaging to watch it, uh, you know, on on a, on a screen, not just live. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm biased. I think it's the greatest sport. Oh no, <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that. We both are. We both are. Um, now, I just want, I wanted to uh, take a look back. You know, the, the dust is now obviously uh, settled and uh, the emotions have, have tempered a bit now that uh, since the, uh, the Paris Olympic bid uh, 
recent one, the last one, uh, and the squash community at large is seemingly kind of fed up with being shown the door by the Olympic Committee, uh, this time uh, at the uh, the hands of the, that trendy sport, I guess you call it sport breaking. But I'm um, just wondering, where, where does the PSA now stand in terms of uh, the Olympic bids going forward? Well, as you know, the Olympic bid is with the World Squash Federation. Right. And in, in, in the past few bids, the World Squash Federation did have their own shortcomings and, and um, they were to blame for, um, uh, you know, what, what happened. Uh, I think if the World Squash Federation had stuck with uh, uh, Vero, who were helping us get into the Olympics for Tokyo 2020, um, had, they, had they accepted to stick with them and not go rogue on their own, um, I think we would have been one of the sports included in Tokyo 2020. Um, but you know, it, we we've got our, you know we put our hands with the World Squash Federation. Um, we think they did an incredible bid. Um, it was obviously a political thing that uh, you know kept us out of Paris, um, and we just keep uh, pushing along. You know, uh, yeah. uh, it, it's. Uh, I mean, for me, as as uh, I, I look at these athletes, and and you know, they're tremendous athletes. Uh, some of the fittest athletes on earth. And, and I think they deserve an Olympic uh, inclusion. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't distract the PSA from doing what it wants to do, which is you know, continuing to grow the global tour and uh, continuing to grow, to, to grow the footprint. Um, Olympic inclusion does help because um, you know, federations get uh, you know, more money. They can uh, you know, uh, do more in terms of uh, uh, working on ground you know, grassroots development and stuff. But, you know, for us, we, we keep pushing and, and uh, uh, help stakeholders in, in growing the sport, uh, you know, moving forward. And who knows, maybe Los Angeles is, is the one. I love Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, that, that so, would be perfect. I mean, the sport speaks yeah. for itself. I mean, I mean, if anyone ever, any of these people ever sat down and watched squash, I mean, it's obvious it's deserving of a spot in the Olympics. I mean... Like, like yeah, you just actually, said, the athleticism you know, we, and yeah, yeah, and the ethics. Um, we're mm. a clean sport, yeah. Um, and and you know we're like we're talking right now to a potential uh, a world tour sponsor, and um, one of the things they find very interesting in squash and and is is that we fit in within their ethics. They're like they watch the game and they're like, you know, what athlete call, calls his own ball that it's on down. You know, yeah. or or, yeah. or um, you know, it's it's a clean sport, and and um, and then when it comes to you know the uh, parity, nobody pushed us to be. We're not doing it because it's it's a flavor. We're doing it because we believe it's the right thing, um, and and you know, no other, you know, you don't see that in other sports. Um, no, you know, so we're we it's it's we're a very ethical, very clean sport, and and it's. It's fantastic to be associated with these players and be associated with everything that goes around the tour and everything that goes around the sport in general. Oh, for sure. And, and, and they're such good people. I, I, I mean, really yeah. yeah, amazing people. I mean, look, how disappointed, uh, disappointing was it that, you know, when you had golf and um, a lot of the players didn't go. Uh, yeah. I, I was uh, interviewed on, on the radio. They were asking me uh, um, with the if squash were included, would they have gone? 
my answer was <laughs> that you could have every virus in the world and all the squash players would be there. Absolutely. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it would be such an honor, you know, for, for the players to go. They're just, they're really a great, great group of, of players to be associated with. And when you're part of it, you're really part of a global family. Everyone takes care of everyone, you know. And, you know, when I first started getting involved, uh, I started meeting players and talking to players. And, and then you see someone who, like I used to look at, you know, um, David Palmer, this Australian legend, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, the soldier, tough the guy, you know, he's out there, <laughs> the Marine, yeah. And, yeah. and then here's the Marine who just won the world, who just won the British Open, um, taking a kid that had sent him a message not, not going out to, uh, to party and stuff, taking a kid that had sent him a message that he wants to meet him, whatever, taking him out for a hamburger. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then signing a racket and giving it to him. It's like, you know what? If, if I wasn't proud enough to be involved in this, I'm now even more proud to be involved in this sport. It's, it's just an incredible group of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now you've had... Uh... You've obviously made your imprint on squash globally, but you, I, I would imagine you got your start, obviously, in Saudi and the Middle East. And you, amongst uh, others, I'm sure, uh, have really done a tremendous job growing the sport there. Uh, Qatar, Kuwait, Saudi now, uh, obviously hosting several major events over the years and producing some, some top players as well. Uh, now, I'm just wondering... Uh, uh, how proud you are of the the progress the region has made uh, over the the last few years uh, uh, in terms of the squash and development of the game. Well, I mean, the the first um, uh, really fantastic player we had came out of uh, Kuwait a few years back. Um, kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, I saw Qatar put a lot of money into uh, the Aspire program and, and the squash development and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's it's to the level that uh, they wanted. Um, I've been involved in Saudi squash for a while. First, I mean, you know, before I was part of the world, the, the Saudi Squash Federation, I was I was just doing the tournaments on my own, and I was sponsoring Saudi players um, to go out and and uh, uh, you know do clinics and stuff uh, on my own. Now that I'm the Saudi uh, uh, president. And more importantly, now that the Saudi vision has changed towards sport, we're, mm -hmm. we're able to, to do things uh, differently. Because before, the entire concentration was on uh, medals, medals, medals. Can you get us medals? If you can't get us medals, you're not a sport that we want to be involved in. Now it's not. Now it's about uh, participation. So uh, why, the, when did that change, the, uh, Ziad? What brought about that change? Uh, do you think? Um, well, with with uh, you know when when Prince uh, Mohammed uh, took over, uh, and, you know became uh, Crown Prince and 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 did all the changes and all uh, you know across the board with all the ministries and everything, the General Sports Authority uh, went through this change and the heads of the General Sport uh, Authority now being led by Prince Abdulaziz, um, we want include we want people to participate. Um, I think they wanted to raise the participation from 18% of the population actually practicing sport to 40% of the population practicing sport by 2020. And I think they're, we're already almost there. Mm. Um, uh, they're doing a lot of events. They're doing a lot of events, you know, that, you know, 
family type events where they bring in um, you know the entire family to come play football, play volleyball, play whatever. And, and they want us to bring in um, international tournaments to encourage kids you know, to participate. Because if, if you like a sport and you don't see it really being encouraged in your own country, chances are you're not going to follow through. But right. um, you know, when, when you're, you know, you've got your heroes coming to your own country and, and, and you know, uh, playing in front of you and, and you, you see, you feel that you know, your sport uh, is, is cared for. And we saw that in the Eastern province when I was doing the tournaments, that we saw an increase in juniors participating after every tournament. Mm. Um, so now uh, the, the, the concentration is on, on uh, not just on medals, but on you know, increasing participation. I can, or all the Federation now can take a deep breath and really concentrate on grassroots development because we're not pressured that we have to win 10 medals in, in you know, whatever next event is. We're pressured to have inclusion um, with, with women. We're pressured to have, um, you know, to increase our participation. And, you know, you, you hit the juniors, you hit the schools. For the first time ever that you start seeing um, tournaments amongst universities, tournaments mm-hmm. amongst the schools, we didn't have that before. I'm a teacher by trade, uh, Ziad, uh, and I've, I've often looked at, at positions in Saudi in the past, and, and pretty much all of them had mentioned uh, that universities had squash courts. So that, that was one of the more yeah. uh, attractive uh, things to me. I never actually took a position over there, but uh, uh, the, the universities had courts and the, uh, the compounds all had courts. So it just seems like there's uh, no shortage of... Uh, squash facilities over there <laughs> which is really funny because the uh, as the saudi squash federation we don't have courts <laughs> <laughs> right right and, uh, so we use <laughs> we use courts that aren't under the saudi squash federation um, okay all the all the courts that were built in the 70s um that are under the general sports authority are not uh, to international standard. The, the length are, is wrong, and, and right. most of them, the floors, uh, you it's like you, you're going to be ice skating if you start right, sweating. Right. Not, not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we end up going outside, you know. Um, but but now we've got our hands. Like for example, um, uh, we 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 did um, we brought in a, a female uh, coach and, and uh, did a clinic at Princess Noura University. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and now we're doing more of that. Uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, we've got another event going on at Princess Noura University for women. And King Saud University now is approaching us and all the universities are approaching us um, you know, to start doing clinics and, and, and using their facilities uh, there. You look at Princess Noura, they've got world-class facilities for every sport you can think of. Wow. Um, yeah. And they weren't utilized and, and they've got three of everything mm-hmm. and they weren't utilized. So now um, they've rented one out to, I think, um, one of the, the like a, a fitness first or fitness type, uh, fitness time type of uh, club. Yeah. But they're putting their hands with the GSA, you know, come here, use our facilities. Let's get, uh, you know, some not even Princess Noura uh, students get people from all over and this right. is a trend that you're beginning to see now across the country that's because funny, uh, the vision has changed yeah that's funny that you mentioned that uh, i i live in the uae uh, just north of dubai in, a, in a, the emirate of Ras al-khaimah and just down the road maybe 15 minutes from where i live 
there's a high school. Uh, it's a very has a great reputation. They have three of those uh, McWall, like the state of the art squash courts. No one uses them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I might be the only one to ever play on them. And then uh, they don't allow anyone on the, campus. So, yeah, we did a a a survey when we first did um, the first tournament in in Dubai. I think there's something like 1,200 courts around, uh, you know, between the Emirates. And um, you look at all the buildings; they all have squash courts. All the compounds have squash courts. Yeah. Schools have squash courts. They're just not uh, not utilized. And, and you know, one of the disagreements I used to have with Falcon Associates when we did the tournament in Dubai is I wanted to concentrate uh, on the locals. Uh, I wanted, yeah. you know, kids from, from local schools to come. I didn't want uh, the expat community. Sorry for the expat community. But, <laughs> you know, if you're looking at longevity, um, yeah. you know, I, I want to see... A, a kid from UAE playing. Uh, yeah. I want to go to a British Open and see a Saudi, a, a kid from Saudi Arabia, kids from UAE, kids from Kuwait, kid Qatar, Bahrain, all yeah. the Arab world involved. That's you know that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. And we were hoping that you know we were you know that the, they were putting so much money into this uh, tournament that we were hoping that some of it would go into grassroots development, but uh, unfortunately, it it didn't uh, uh, you know work yeah. out that way. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I might as well ask you now that we're talking about it. I mean, what, what do you think the issue is in, in Dubai? Is, is it just that? Is it just because there's not, there is no sort of um, national presence for the game? Uh, because there are, like you mentioned, a lot of expats here and we all play at the very, you know, the Emirates Club or uh, Jumeirah Beach Hotel. But uh, you've got to, well, there, there you need more than that, don't you? A, yeah, there isn't uh, really a federation in uh, Dubai. It's no. uh, it's a council. But, yeah, um, it, there used to be a federation, and they were quite active. Um, uh, I think when when I was a kid, but it's kind of uh, disappeared. Um, and uh, you need the you need the federation, or you need the champion. It, it doesn't have to be a, like, you know. I, I find I'm the one pushing for you know squash in Saudi Arabia uh, Amr Zidane is pushing for polo which is hardly any players you know in, in Saudi Arabia and and you've got others that are doing the same you just need yeah. someone local to, to champion a sport yeah. well and, here's and a great uh, here's a great example I mean look at uh, what happened to golf in South Korea when uh, the lady what Sayri Pak I think she back in the yeah. 80s she won the British Open or something now there are th like probably millions of Korean women playing golf. It's, it's just insane. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. But, but even, even like you look at, I admire Hong Kong squash. Um, yeah. The way they've been able to grow the sport on a very low budget as well is incredible. You know, they've got, they've got the, uh, the, the tournament that's been going on for, you know, many years. I think it's over 20 years now that they've been doing their, their tournament, but the way they've, done the grassroots development so they've got the professional side here that you know that's their showcase but the way they're growing their grassroots development by going to schools and, and taking kids and introducing them to squash and and making these makeshift squash courts and stuff and mm. it, it you know it really encourages uh, participation and and they're beginning to get you know some uh, some good players uh you know, and yeah. we were seeing it in the PSA. Well, they have so a few champions. You, you just need, yeah. 
yeah, you just need that spark that someone, either a, a player, you know, like in Malaysia, you had Nicole David and, and you know, she's a legend. You know, it, it made the sport grow on Bang He. Yeah. You know, it, it made the, the sport grow because you look at a role model to see. But at the same time, if you don't have that, you can still encourage participation and give them a chance to dream. This is what I'm doing right now in the, in, with, the, with the young kids. We're concentrating on the, uh, you know, the under 13s mostly. Right. Uh, our kids right now who, who, are, who are, you know, playing internationally. And I sponsor them personally, send them internationally and, and get them coaching through Amir Waji himself. Um, and, and, you know, they see someone who cares. And, um, you know, they're, they're out there. Like some of them are in the eastern province. Their uh, squash courts are going through re renovation. They come and play in my house. <laughs> you know, but so when when they see someone who cares and they see someone like Sam Al Khatib, who's who's the main coach in Saudi, um, he he pours his heart and soul into into developing these kids. Um, you just need that champion. Yeah. Um, Sam Al Khatib has been our champion for thirty some years in Saudi. Just this guy that has poured his heart and soul into squash, developed a lot of kids, and 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 now he's retired. He's putting everything into the into the kids and we see the fruits i mean we, we've never had a second place finish in in the arab league we've never won a medal internationally and and we see the fruits because you know we, someone cares at the end yeah. of the day and, and and is pushing for it and and that's what you need with any sport anywhere in the world well you just had a, a i think i just read somewhere that you just had one of your under i think the under 13 boy won in norway one of one the first ever international event for a saudi uh, squash player I could be wrong with that but i think that i, no, think you're I read correct. that yeah, yeah yeah i think he's he's 11 years old or 12 years old yeah um yeah so that yeah, under well. 13 yeah. yeah it's good we've got a 9 year old that um, i get a call they're all in egypt uh, practicing before the um, uh, uh, the Arab League uh, in a championship that we held in Saudi. I get a call from Amir Waji, the Egyptian coach. He's like, you've got this nine-year-old. I can't get him off court. All he wants to do is play, <laughs> you know? And, and, yeah. and they've given us names of, of, you know, all these young kids that are under 13 that we should be concentrating on and, and, and you know, putting our hopes. And that's what we're doing. You know, Sam al-Khatib has become like their you know, their godfather uh, trains with them as, as much as possible. And, and, you know, we send them out to camps and, and, and bring in internationals to play with them. And right now we're working on developing a, a circuit, um, uh, um, you know, uh, with where it includes, you know, Egyptians, Saudis, anyone else who wants to join us in, in the Arab League or, or the GCC, yeah. and, and maybe bringing in some you know, kids from England, kids from just developing this circuit of, you know, kids that are, you know, between the ages of 10, 15, 16, and just get them, you know, to play around with each other and, and, and on holidays practice with each other and stuff yeah. and just, just develop something to, you know, to, to, to develop these, uh, these kids and give them international experience because everybody benefits from international experience. No, exactly. And, and with that, they're, they're going to end up uh, loving the game for life and sticking with it. So that, this is exactly uh, what they need. And hopefully no shoulder surgery. No, well, yes. But, uh, you'll, you'll be playing, you'll, you'll be back on court soon, no doubt. See, at, 
Yeah, no, my, mine was a <laughs> fluke accident coming off a boat, so it had nothing okay. to do with squash. I, I thought it was yeah. the I thought it was the motorcycle, but uh, I'll ask you uh, before we finish off. I want to ask you about about your Harley, uh, but any, uh, yeah. but uh, last year um, Saudi Arabia also held the first ever professional sporting event uh, for women, and that all, that just happened to be a squash event, a PSA Gold. I think it was a Gold Series event. And even uh, I think Nada Abul Naja I could be mispronouncing her name, but she became the I first Saudi. Yeah, she became the yeah. first Saudi female to uh, participate in, in such an event. So, I mean, putting that on must have been a major undertaking and a major uh, accomplishment, a personal accomplishment for you and your team. It, so, what did that mean to you to be able to, to able to pull that off? Um, actually, it was it was when. I really couldn't believe it until we had the dinner at Princess Rima's uh, house and, and I had all the players there. And um, I found it very difficult to stand up and speak. I was really overwhelmed with emotion. I had been trying to do that for quite a few years in Saudi. Um, and b because, again, I, I, I don't believe that you can grow a sport with you know just half the population. You need the entire population to grow a sport. Um, and, uh, you know, they, I'd get approvals, then I'd, I, uh, after that I'd get, oh, well, you're going to have to do this, and, you have, and I would accept everything that they'd, they'd, they'd put on me. But it just, uh, I, I think nobody wanted to take that first step. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to take that first step. And then when Princess Rima, um, you know, came on the scene, I just latched onto her. And I'm like, look, I really want to do a tournament. It means a lot to me that, you know, uh, I've put my heart and soul into squash, developing squash. And uh, it would mean the world to me if I can have the first international tournament uh, to be held to be a squash tournament. Because I believe Saudi got, uh, well, not, not Saudi, uh, squash got its spark in Saudi Arabia in 2005, 2006, when we started, you know, when I we started pushing the prize money up, started experimenting with the television and, uh, you know, in, uh, you know with, with our production there, bringing in John Delier from Canada using Saudi yeah. television. So I believe we, Squash got its second uh, life um, in Saudi. Um, and, and I just, it just meant a lot to me. Um, but we couldn't do it. Um, then, of course, uh, you know, you see the regime change, and, and mm. what couldn't be done is is being done, and all it all it needed six weeks before the event, everyone's telling me, you know, they're going to cancel it. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> yeah. even even people within the federation didn't even believe that it's going to happen. I'd walk in the hallways. Um, I had never visited Riyadh so much as I did. In, in a year and a half prior to, uh, you know, to the, the tournament taking place, especially the last six months. And everybody's like, you know, it's not going to happen. No, it is going to happen. It will happen. It will happen. And um, it happened. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, it, it, it's not going to be a one-off thing. Right now, you know, we, we had another change in the GSA um, at the helm. So we expect, you know, to bring squash men and women back to Saudi Arabia next, uh, next year. But just just a few months afterwards, we get a call from uh, Princess Nuri University and, and King Saud University saying, you know what, we want to do a tournament amongst us. Can you help us out? Um, and then we get calls from, uh, you know, some of the clubs who go, you know, we've got some junior girls 
uh, that like squash, would you be interested in training them? And, and it, it just, it was a spark. Yeah. And, and I, we were the first and everybody had their eyes on us. Um, are they going to succeed? What's going to be the backlash of them doing this tournament in Saudi? And there was no backlash. Everything was positive. And now it's become public. We're encouraged to do, uh, you know, to get women to participate in, in sports and get women to be part of, I mean, the Saudi Squash Federation. We have Neda Bunaja right now is in charge of youth development for, for women. And, and we have uh, Adwad Dakhil as one of our board members. Um, and all the federations have, or pretty much almost all the federations now have, uh, you know, women in them. The Saudi Olympic Committee um, is, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but it went from zero to about, you know, 30%, uh, uh, you know, women running the show in, in like no time. It's probably even increased some more now. Yeah. Um, just the, the, the change, this wave in Saudi of, of change that's happening is incredible. And I'm very proud to say that we were the first. That's awesome. That's really good. And no, like you said earlier, the uh, the regime change uh, obviously helped uh, jumpstart that. And uh, with the regime, the the regime change, as you mentioned earlier, they they want more grassroots participation in sports. So that that ought to have uh, really pleased them when they saw the the uh, what the end result brought. Yeah, we want, you know, right now the GSA wants a healthier Saudi. We want a healthier youth. Mm. We want youth that, you know, that uh, participate in sports and get off the road and, and stop, uh, you know, driving like maniacs and doing crazy <laughs> things. Yeah, we, well, you know, we, we, that's an issue yeah, in the UAE want, too. Yeah. That's an issue throughout the GCC, you know, yeah. because there's frustrations and, and we want them to channel that energy to, you know, towards positive things. And, and, uh, you know, if you look, you know, we, we have uh, a, a, you know, federation head. We've got a group on, on WhatsApp. And almost daily you see kids winning medals and, uh, you know, around the world now, which we never saw before. But this just, this, this just, I think the change of mentality just took out so much pressure off, you know, you're going to go, you're going to have to win a medal. <laughs> you know, yeah. so we've got now, now it's like, we tell them uh, there's a tournament in Korea. We want to go to Korea. It's a part of the World Squash Federation. Go, you know. Yeah. Not are you gonna win? Well, we're not sure we're gonna win. Oh, you can't go. So now it's like go, and and kids are going. You've got I think in judo a kid just won a gold medal somewhere, and and you know all these uh, all these sports, lifting, everything. It's 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 just been incredible, and it makes you really proud to see this happening. And it's only happening because of a change in the way they, you know, the, the thinking is get people to participate. You know, it's uh, the, the medals will come and, and, uh, uh, and it's, it's obviously working because the medals are definitely coming. Yeah, for sure. Tap into your, your human resources and uh, things will happen, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, and, and put realistic, realistic. That's the thing. You always have to be realistic. You can't say I'm going to go into the uh, Asian Games and and be third or fourth in medals because number one is China, number two is South Korea, number three is Japan. Um, look at their population. Look at our population. Yeah. Uh, the number three had 155 medals. We had seven. How are we going to be number three or four? You have to put realistic 
expectations and, and work to, uh, towards them and hopefully exceed them. Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, just want to applaud you for, for, for the effort uh, with the, with the uh, female, uh, first female women's event. And uh, let's, uh, let's see how the next one goes. It's, uh, I hope that uh, comes to fruition maybe uh, next year for you. I hope so. Yeah. Now, uh, your now your company, uh, obviously Atco. I've seen the, a lot of lot of players sponsored by the by Atco, and uh, mostly from from the from the Middle East regions. And unfortunately, we we lost a great one in Rami Ashur due to injury uh, last year. You obviously know him well. Uh, I think you sponsored him for for several years. Just wondering. Um, you know, I'd like to get your your feedback and your estimations. What what was Rami's uh, uh, impact on on the game? And having you know having left at such a young age, he he did make a, an incredible impact. But you were uh, you obviously know him quite well. Just wondering what what you uh, what you have to say about him. Yeah, I mean, I started sponsoring Rami when he was seventeen years old uh, mm. or 18, 18. I can't remember actually. Um, was back in 2005 when we were doing the qualifications for um, the Saudi uh, uh, the Saudi tournament, and at that time I decided to do the qualifications here in London because I didn't feel that the players should come all the way to Saudi Arabia to lose and not be able to get into the tournament. So we right. did the the qualifications here. I brought Saudis to come and play here, and I saw Rami play, and I'm like. He's got the most incredible, you know, it's just magic watching him play. It's so unorthodox. Yeah. Um, so he comes out and I, I said to him, uh, um, do you have a sponsor? And he said, no. I'm like, well, you do now. So he laughed because he thought I was a photographer. He, oh, he, he, he thought you were a photographer. Why, do you, why do you think that? I had my, my camera with me and I was taking pictures, you know, of the event to put on the website. Okay. Um, so he just thought I was, he didn't think I was, I think he was expecting, I, I don't know, maybe I should have been in a suit and not in sweats and a t-shirt. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and then he comes to Saudi and he sees me and I'm like, so can we talk about your sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I never had anything written. I just, I just saw an incredible talent. Yeah. And I, in the back of my head, I was like, you know, here's an incredible talent that, uh, Given the opportunity, he's and I told him, I'm like Rami, you're gonna be world number one in two to three years. You're gonna be a world champion in two to three years. And he laughed. And then you know when he won it three years later in Manchester, I mean that was the first thing he came up to me. He's like, you know, you believed in me. I'm like, of course I believed in you. Um, you know, I I just saw something in him the same way I saw something in Ali, the same way I saw something with Muhammad. I mean, when I started sponsoring Muhammad, he was number forty-two. And he's top eight right now. And yeah. Ali is world number one, you know. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't do the sponsor. You're talking no about Mohammed Abulgar, is that who you're? Yeah. Abulgar, yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I only sponsor them because I don't want to lose them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I want these guys to develop. I, want, I see something in them that I go, you know, like, they're incredible players. They've got, you know, amazing ethics. I mean, look at Nuran Gohar. She, oh, yeah. Nuran oh, will man. win the tournament, and the next morning she, she'll be she, in the gym. I love watching her play. I mean, I, I hadn't really she's seen so much of her. She's so focused. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's so focused. 
she hits an incredible ball and then yeah. you know she's she moves she's, she's very athletic like, moves well yeah 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 so it's you know for me the sponsorship i don't get nobody's going to look at it and go oh atco yeah um let me uh, give atco some business we don't get any business out of it i i put the name atco because it's our company i'm promoting our company right. but there really is no return it's like my involvement in squash my only return is you know the joy I, you get out of it i'm fulfilled yeah the joy i get out of it you know go going to a supermarket or going to a junior tournament and someone tell me you know uh you know thank you very much for what you've done for the sport and stuff I, you know that's worth so much you know it's you, you can't put a value on it um so uh, with, with rami unfortunately he had a bad surgery when he was a kid um yeah. with with his hamstring i think they took it out and um, it just kept on getting worse and worse and worse. And there is nothing he could do to fix it. Um, but I think the next thing you're going to see is Rami is going to be a major, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Musician in the Arab world. <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw his, uh, he has some sort of a video. Of, he, he released it yesterday. And I, I'd seen yeah. his, uh, you know, I've, I've heard him sing before and he has a great voice. And uh, I yeah, mean, for that type I mean, of music, the the yeah. I guess that's mid uh, Egyptian sort of pop traditional pop music and it, it's he's very yeah, good yeah, he's, he's very good yeah I think I think he's he's gonna do well in that it's a shame to lose him um, but you know at one point Rami was you know the the magician on the court um, yeah. the sport has evolved so much since two thousand and five um, it's become faster it's become more athletic um, and it's just it's it's you know there yeah rami was special but there are a lot of special players right now oh yeah um, for sure and and there isn't there really and it's growing globally well as well it's just not uh yeah. egypt anymore i mean you've got germany yeah. you've got uh colombia peru uh, the canadian i'm canadian so the canadian women are even making inroads so uh, yeah yeah and it's <laughs> it's you know you go to a tournament before you'd go to a tournament and you know who's going to win you go to a tournament right now, you don't know who's going to win. No. Um, you know, I mean, who was expecting, you know, Hamad Abulhar to go, uh, you know, reach like a, a semifinal or, or, or a final um, last year? Nobody. And, no. and there he is. Who was expecting anyone, uh, you know, to, to it's, it's just, it's yeah. changed I don't think anyone so expected uh, Gawad to uh, make a return like that either. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, just, yeah and and you see a lot of the a lot of you know if you watch if you if you see the 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 social media of a lot of the players um i mean if if you look at camille serm for example i get mm. tired just looking at her social media she puts <laughs> she's training constantly training constantly yeah, yeah. Training, oh yeah she's improving year after year it's incredible yeah, yeah you know? she's she's great and, to and, watch too she just uh, she has a unique yeah. style and uh, really uh, yeah, and it's I mean, no the whole longer, women's game know, is fantastic. I mean, you've got so many great... The whole women's game is yeah. fantastic. Before you'd go and you're like, okay, Nicole is going to win in three. Um, yeah. Now you don't know who's going to win. Is it, is it going to be Noor? Uh, is it going to be Renim? You, you don't know. And they're, yeah. and they're all so different. I mean, Renim, for me, it's, she's magic with the racket. Oh, you know, she's, sure, yeah. she's, she's, she's Shabana. That, you know, exactly. Just, just That's what I told her. She and, was on the podcast. I said, you're, you know, you're, you're like, you're just like Amr Shabana, the uh, women's yeah. version. And, and she's very moody. If she wants <laughs> to win, she's unstoppable. Yeah. And then you, you look at uh, Sherbini, 
And, and I mean, she hits the ball incredibly and, and she's so mentally strong and tough and it's, it's so exciting to watch, you know, yeah. and, and we're all going to miss Rami, you know, yeah, um, yeah. but it's not like, it's not the know, end of the squash world. It's not the end of the squash world. Um, you know, for me, I love the guy, um, him, him and, and, you know, Hisham, they're like my younger brothers. I'm, I'm going to miss, well, I've missed seeing them on the tour the past few years, to be honest. I, I miss, you know, joking around with them and hanging around with them. They like that. Because Rami is kind of uh, injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's not, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a gap that's going to be, uh, filled by somebody else that's yeah. magic because right now it, just watching anyone from the top 20 is magic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Rami had a charisma about him that, you know, would be tough to replace, but I had a guy, uh, I spoke with Mustafa Assal on the podcast and, and he's got charisma as well. I mean, he's. It's like shot out of yeah. a cannon, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Rami had a few years where it was, I mean, I, I still think one of the most incredible matches I've watched was uh, Rami against uh, David Palmer in Qatar. Um, and I was sitting in the front row um, and, and David comes out and throws his racket at me. And he's like, <laughs> I can't do anything. Everywhere I put the ball, he's there. What, what can I, I kill it in the front, he's there. I kill it in the back, he's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't look at me. You know? <laughs> just, it's just, he, you know, yeah, he, he had, he had something, but, but right now you see it with, you know, you see this everywhere. It's, yeah. the sports just has improved so much. It's just gotten, you know, so much stronger. And I, I believe it's, because of what we've done in the PSA, where you look at someone like uh, like Ali, graduates from Harvard yeah. and sees a career path in squash. This wouldn't have happened a few years ago if if we didn't have the prize money increase. If he if he didn't see a career path for him. And the same thing with women. I used to go to the junior tournaments with my son, and I'd, I'd watch the girls. And there was so much talent. There was a lot more talent in, in, on the women's side, uh, you know, the girls versus the, the, the boys. But there wasn't, there wasn't a career path. So a girl would finish high school. Um, she'd go into university, not thinking that if she plays squash, she plays it for fitness. Not, you know what, I'm going to graduate university like a lot of them do. I'm going to mm -hmm. play squash. I'm going to try to play as many tournaments as I can and still get a degree and then become professional. Um, that that didn't really happen because they're gonna what the 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 you know the pot wasn't enough to divide amongst yeah. all the players. And uh, what you see now right too to is uh, so many of the uh, across the globe these young juniors they 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 have the opportunity if they play well enough and they're they get the right education at a young age they can come to you know play varsity squash in America get a great you know degree and uh, they have both both options available to them like like yeah. Ali like like you mentioned Millie Thompson Tomlinson and yeah. uh, others yeah exactly and yeah. and you know and, and I look at it and I go I think I contributed a little bit to that and I just it's yeah it's a great feeling <laughs> to be honest absolutely 
Now, uh, now before, Ziad, you've been really uh, great with your time, but before you go, I have to ask you about uh, you know, your passion for the Harley-Davidson. And uh, I, originally, when you told me about your, your surgery, I thought, oh, he fell off his bike. But uh, fortunately, that was not the case. Uh, so, but yeah. basically, uh, uh, you know, if you don't mind, tell us where your, your passion for, for Harley uh, driving uh, came from and uh, what, were, were, what is one of your more memorable uh, uh, road trips on, on the Harley that you've had? Um, I, uh, I've had a motorcycle since I was maybe seven years old. I, had, I used to have <laughs> a little Honda, the monkey. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, my friends and I had a track um, uh, uh, in, in just like an empty plot and we used to go crazy on it. And then I started uh, our, our um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Our cook used to have one of those Hondas. I don't know what they're called, but they're all the same. They're red with a cream fender. Okay. Um, I think it's like I think 170 I, yeah, I or something. Envision that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like an old scooter-looking thing. I used to steal it from him, just ride around the neighborhood and stuff. I've I've loved motorcycles, and then I remember when I went to uh, high school in Connecticut. I was 16 years old, and you could hear this roar, you know, coming. And and we were in the middle of nowhere, and you hear this roar. So you go down, you know, and and you look, and it's just all these Harleys passing by yeah. and I was like, I want one of those. And I used to come to England <laughs> and you see the guys on, you know, the old Triumphs and the BSAs and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's just so cool. That's the coolest thing. And then in 1990, I, I bought a Harley um, and just started riding. I was in the right place. I was in California, in Los yeah. Angeles. And, um, you know, just had a few friends we'd put on you know, a few hundred miles every weekend. And, and it well, that's the became, thing with the Harleys, right? You, uh, I mean, here just nearby, it's usually on, on the weekend, Saturday or Friday or Saturday. And uh, these guys, yeah. uh, it's usually a group of guys and you go somewhere. Is that, is that kind of what, what you do? Yeah, it's not transportation really for me. It's just a, it's a weekend thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I, the thing about Harleys as well is, it, you know, you buy a Harley and you make it yours. There's a lot of customization that goes into it. I, I, you know, I have a few bikes and they're all... Do you, you have you know, the low rider? They're, they're me. Um, I have a couple of Road Kings. Um, and then uh, I bought a, a... The most recent bike I bought was a um, Softail Slim. But okay. completely changed it. I made it look retro. It's got uh, a Springer front end. Um, it, it just, it looks, if you look at it, you think it's a bike from the 40s, but it's a 2017. The Dennis Hopper. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I just, I just love just the whole feeling of it. You know, there's two things for me where you're on a motorcycle, you just think about you and the road. Um, yeah. You know, you, you don't, you're, you're, it's just, you, you clear your mind and then and diving and when you're underwater it's you and that environment and you clear your mind you don't think of anything um but i'm very safe i i'm, I'm on a motorcycle i, I also wear a, a a jacket that's like an airbag um okay so yeah. be a good role model for my kids because they all want to ride they've been getting on the bike of my bike since they've been able to hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you want, you want um, them just, to, uh, to be safe. Absolutely. Yeah. I want them to be safe. Yeah. So, um, 
look at me, I'm wearing, I'm sweating like crazy, but I'm wearing a, a what do you call it, an inflatable jacket. Right. <laughs> so I've got an airbag <laughs> yeah. protecting. And here's a, yeah. No, it's, um, it, it's, you know, Harley gets in the blood. I mean, I've been, yeah. I've, I've owned the Harley since 1990. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a passion. It's, yeah, it's a way of life for you guys, I think. Because, I, I mean, I have several friends who are Harley uh, guys. And, you know, like you said, you, they get together with their buddies on the weekends and they just hit the road. And, and uh, it just seems like such a, a great thing to do, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a great thing. And, and you know, you, you can, you meet a lot of people anywhere you go. Um, you asked me about my most memorable ride. Yes, yeah. Um, my most memorable ride was actually my worst ride. Um, <laughs> I, because uh, I had been living in the UK um, back and forth, but I couldn't get a license because you have to become a resident to get a license. Um, okay. So I was riding a motorcycle with uh, uh, a Saudi driver's license and I was driving a car with a Saudi driver's license, which by law you couldn't, but by law you also couldn't get a license. So it, it's, it's a very confused system. Right. So when I finally got my UK license, I said, I'm going to ride to Paris. I'm going to have dinner in Paris and I'm going to ride back. And that was the biggest mistake. In my oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> when I left, it took me on the way there. It took me 14 hours to get there because as soon as we got off the train, it was hail, oh, uh, no. rain, yeah, yeah. like crazy, strong winds. You couldn't go more than 60 kilometers per hour at times. When you were able to pick up speed, it was 80 kilometers per hour. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I finally get to Paris. I'm like destroyed, basically showered and went to bed. Yeah, the yeah. next day, have breakfast and I go, oh, it's sunny. Get on the motorcycle. As soon as I get on the highway, the same thing all the way back to England. Oh, no. <laughs> Never again. I guess. Uh, I mean, I won't forget that ride. That comes with that territory, though. The, the weather's not typically uh, a strong strong suit of that region. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's why Southern California is beautiful. Perfect. Well, well, Ziad, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, pleasure uh, to, to be talking to you today. And I uh, just want to wish you all the best with uh, your endeavors with Saudi Squash, with the PSA, and what you've done up till now. Uh, we owe a great debt of gratitude uh, for everything that you've, you've done for the game. And uh, let's do it again. Let's have it. Let's talk Great. again. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Thank um, you. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Well, thanks so much to Ziad El Turkey for that. And just want to, again, uh, restate just how, how thankful I am. And I think the squash community is for all that he's done for the game at the pro level and what he's done to, to grow the game in the, in the Middle East, which is, inevitably helped uh, squash as a whole and uh, wish him all the best uh, going forward and keeping up the good fight there at the uh, PSA as a chairman of the board, the initiatives that they've managed to, uh, you know, pull off uh, till now are tremendous and uh, I know whatever they have in store for the game is going to improve it and make it better. So keep up the good fight. Uh, and thanks so much uh, to Ziad uh, for all the work that he's put into the game um, over the years. Now, uh, the U.S. Uh, Open is underway, and I've watched several of the, of the matches. The squash is incredible on both sides, the women's and ladies' events. Um, watched S.J. Perry play the young uh, Malaysian girl, and I, the, her name escapes me, and it's a long name. I can't... Uh, 
even if I had it in front of me, I may not be able to pronounce it. But uh, no, uh, it was a great match, and SJ came through. The, the the young Malaysian, I mean, she had her chances. I think the occasion and the experience, lack thereof, uh, may have gotten the better of her. But uh, she's going to be a force, definitely. But uh, SJ looks good, and she held her uh, composure there when things got a little bit tight. And that seemed to be the uh, the turning point there when it was tight in the in those games. And then... Kareem Abdul-Gawad and Gregoire Marsh had an incredible battle. It was such a high-tempo affair, and both guys going for shots, playing uh, just a wide variety of incredible up-tempo, high-paced, accurate squash. And uh, Kareem was just uh, that a little bit better than Gregoire on the day. He got the three-love victory, but it could have gone either way. It got a little bit tight and a little bit uh, edgy there at the end, a few... Uh, a few bad, I wouldn't say bad calls, but uh, calls that went against Gregoire there at the end. And, um, yeah, it just came out uh, in favor of Kareem, who played extremely well. And when he's playing that way, uh, he's uh, right up there, number one, number two in the world. Uh, he was number one in the world uh, not that long ago. So he's got that game in him. And, uh, of course, all, all the favorites are, are through on the men's side. So it should be an interesting final few days. Miguel Rodriguez looked very good against Ryan uh, Cuscally there. Uh, looks like he's ready to make a, a run. And then, of course, Diego Elias uh, looking great against Joel Macon. So uh, we're in for a very good uh, final uh, few days of the U.S. Open. Uh, so enjoy that squash. Enjoy your squash. And again, thanks for listening. I uh, really enjoyed today's episode. We've got several, several more upcoming, so stay tuned for those. Have a great day. Goodbye now.